Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for stopping by. We're going to talk to some real people. We're going to talk about some real things. Maybe get some real laughs. Maybe not. We don't care. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. You can follow us at Working P Pod on Twitter. And if you would like to be a guest, you can hit us up on Twitter at Working P Pod or email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com. Uh, we've already got a couple of requests to be on the show. Uh, sorry to Tom Lavelle. You failed the approval process. Uh, better luck next time. It's a tough approval process. Not everyone gets in. But uh, yeah, so far only Tom Lavelle has failed the approval process. Uh, so as I said, this is the Working Perspectives podcast with myself, Matthew Lavelle. I'm accompanied by my editor and producer, Tom Byers. And today we have an extra special guest. He has a technology instructional coach. He's one of the best guys I know. His name's Jason Bowers. All right, show's getting started. Let's go. All right, Shake, let me tell you about this guy. Yes, sir. Let me know. Okay, this guy. This guy is one of the greats, all right? Known this guy for a while. We grew up together. I moved here from California when I was seven. He was the first friend I made when I moved here. He lived down the street from me. Comes from a great family. I got a story I want to tell you, though, that kind of just shows how great this guy is. So uh, Jason, or Jay, as he'll be referred to, Jay uh, ended up marrying his high school sweetheart, right? So he was one of the first of our friends to get married, right? Because none Mm -hmm. of us, well, you know, I know know another jerk (laughs) who married his high school sweetheart, but either way. Um, So he's one of the first of us to get married, right? And... We're going to the wedding. Now, at this wedding shake, you could not imagine the decadence, all right? His his wife is one of the sweetest, nicest people you'll ever meet. She comes from a great Italian family, so they were doing it up, having a Ooh. great time, right? So we're at this wedding, and everything's going smooth, and you know we have the ceremony at the church. Then we go over to the reception, and everything's great, looks really good. And then we go into the reception and, you know, they're starting to do the normal things and everything like that. And then it's time to get to the speeches. Right. So they go down the speeches. Right. And the first speech was done by the maid of honor, which uh, ended up being like, I think, his sister in law. She did a very nice job. Then Mm -hmm. the second speech was from the uh, uh, best man, which is Jay's brother, David. And I'll tell you what. Going into this wedding, I had prepared something to say because I love I love Dave to death. I love him to death. But there was, in the back of my mind, I thought he might have needed to be rescued at some point. So I think you see yourself. I think you prepare a speech for every wedding that you you go to I, I, or you, even you hear about in I case you get a- helicoptered into the <laughs> into the event. You see I, yourself I, as a wedding savior. As at most gatherings, I have a backup <laughs> plan. Yeah, a couple things up my sleeve. But uh, a lot of people one, have exit strategies. You have an entrance strategy. You got. I got to bring down the goddamn house strategy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Okay. So either way, Dave goes up there, and you know, I did have the backup plan, but not needed. He brought the house down. Like just everyone's crying, laughing. Nailed it. Great speech. Awesome. He hit all facets. He was funny. He was emotional. He was adorable. He nailed it, right? Nailed it, right? Mm-hmm. So Dave kills the speech, right? 
Then up comes, I think it was Jay's mom, uh, lovely lady. She gave a great heartfelt speech. And then comes his father-in-law. Now I'm telling you, he is the 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 head of a nice Italian family. Okay, <laughs> he's a great. He's a very nice guy. I've known him for years, and every interaction I've had with him has been qual just class A, nothing but classes guy. So he comes out there and he's saying all this really nice stuff about his daughter and that, you know, him at this point, Jay and his wife had been together for quite some time, you know, after all through high school and everything like that. So he even said, like, you know, Jay, it's been so long, like we view you as a son now. And like, we're you know, we couldn't be happier that our daughter chose a man like you and all this stuff. Right. Nails his speech. People are crying. People are laughing. People are salute, you know, doing that whole thing. <laughs> and then at the very end of the speech, he says. Now let's get this party started. And then the fucking Philly fanatic runs oh into boy. the wedding. The actual no. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to lie. I lost my shit. Wait, <laughs> the Philly fanatic runs in, right? The no idea. Dude, no idea. No one had any idea. Oh, my God. Surprise. The ultimate guest. Oh, my God. It was a total surprise, dude. And I'm not going to like, I've seen some like the, the roof blow off of a couple places. This place, like, because it wasn't just us, it was the staff that was there, it was the band. Mm -hmm. Everybody went bananas when you see the best <laughs> mascot in all of sports run in and you're like, oh my God. Right? That's crazy. And he comes in and he sings Shout with the whole wedding party. You know what I mean? No. Like, shout with the <laughs> it was incredible. Right? So that was the wedding, right? So then years later, Jay also, you know, he uh, he has uh, he has two sons, right? Two beautiful boys. He has twins. God knows how he survived that. But uh, <laughs> so years go down, right? Jay, uh, you know, he had married first of all our friends and he had kids first of all our friends. So uh, I was expecting my daughter, right? And my wife was pregnant and we were at a wedding of another friend of ours, right? And me and Jay were both, groomsmen in the wedding and honestly this wedding was a blast but one of the best parts is like i don't get to see my friends that much anymore you know yeah. and me and jay really got to spend the whole day together because we were like you know one and two on the groomsmen you know what i mean mm -hmm. so like we're there the whole day and we're just talking and bullshitting and you know just like cutting it up like we used to and i'm talking to him about because he had at that point his sons were four i think and so he had had, he had been through the ringer. I mean, raising twins, you know, Jesus, right? Yeah. So he had been through the ringer. So I'm like buzzing him for like advice and stuff. And I had known that my kid was going to be a girl and stuff like that. And I was talking about like being worried about having a girl and this, you know, society now and all this stuff. And then he told me this thing that, and I'd stuck with me. And I think it's some of the best, it's just one of the coolest things. And it, and it did happen. So we're talking, he's like, look, man, when, when the baby's born, the mom and the baby have a connection right away. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, obviously you're going to love it. It's your kid, but the same bond isn't there right away. And he said, one day you're just going to look down at this kid and it's going to hit you that there isn't anything in the world you wouldn't do for this kid. Mm -hmm. Right. And he was saying it to me and That's I remember he said, and he said, he's saying it to me and he's like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. You know, so, dude, he's one of the and honestly, that's, you know, I could go on and on about this guy all day. He's just one of the best guys I know. Uh, but either way, um, I'm going to introduce him now. He's 
you know, he's he's been doing nothing but great things. I know he's got a great family and a lovely wife and everything like that. But the one thing I do want to ask is, uh, Jay, before we get started, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? And if so, what did you think about that piece of shit movie? <laughs> wow, quite the intro. Um, yes. yes. Yes, I have seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, and? I think only only watched it once. Um <laughs> That's I don't know. Times you ask me. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. Oh my god! <laughs> it's not. It's not one of my favorite movies, but I didn't. I wasn't watching it, going, you know, when's this going to end? Oh, I didn't even wait for when's it going to end. I ended it. I was not having it. All right, that movie was garbage. Garbage. You missed garbage. the end, Matt. The, the end's the best part. Oh, what does he die? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, gee, surprise, shocker. Yeah, oh, I actually forgot. Yeah, I guess that is how it ends. <laughs> yeah, Matt's no on a shit. crusade. Matt's on a crusade to take down this movie that is over two years old at this point, probably. It was shit. It was shit. <laughs> I turned it off. It was such shit. Don't get me wrong. I love Queen. I, I love Queen. All right. Can't get enough of Queen. All right. But this movie sucked. All right. The movie sucked. <laughs> soundtrack was great. Hey, don't get me wrong. Could listen to the soundtrack, soundtrack all day. But you don't get it, don't get it twisted. This movie, ugh, ugh, ugh. So, all right. Well, enough about Bohemian Crapsody, as far as I'm concerned. All right, Jay, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Yeah, doing well. How's life been going? Yeah. Good. So far, so good. So, I want to give a rundown. You got the on Christmas this. tree behind you. We Ooh. should mention the Christmas tree. Is that thing real or fake? Um, it is one of many fake that we have in the house. How many do you have? Uh, you've littered your house with, with fake Christmas um, trees. We have, this isn't the main one. The main one's in the living room. Um, we used to do a real tree, but in the, the house we're in now, where we set the tree, it's right next to the fireplace. Yeah. So we don't want to have a live tree <laughs> next to a fireplace. It's not a good idea. Smart, smart. Um, That's using your brain. We have the main tree. We got this one last year um, after after Christmas at yeah. a place called At Home in Willow Grove, All right. All and everything was like 90% off, so oh, yeah. we got that tree for 20 bucks. Oh, hell yeah. People, so for beautiful. all of you that aren't seeing this, it's a beautiful tree. It's got all the fixings on it. looks great. It's also sitting in an office that Jay built himself. One of the things I forgot to mention in the intro is that Jay is the son of a master carpenter, which I'll tell you what, growing up had its benefits. You needed a bike ramp, you called Jay. You needed a floor <laughs> for your treehouse, you called Jay. All right. You needed a rubber band gun, you called Jay. Okay. He was a, he's still a master of all that stuff. I've seen the office he's in. What is what is it called? The wall? How did, like the ship wall? Like what do they call it? Ship lap. Ship lap. Yeah, we put up ship lap. Dude. It's awesome because I guess the way a ship would look, I don't know, never been on one, but <laughs> like the boards are like, it's uneven looking, but it looks so cool. And he'd put like a desk for him and his sons and his wife and a computer. And it's like, dude, the, the setup is legit. But the best thing was, is he didn't have to pay for labor because he did his name himself. Yeah. What an and advantage. Dude, another great thing. So I keep tooting Jay's horn. This is, I mean... So, Jay, would you say, right, like that your dad's a master carpenter, but your whole life, like you've always been a really good drawer. You've always been very good artistically. Do you think like your dad 
like having that kind of like giving you that kind of edge with the, you know, with the carpentry and everything like that kind of opened up an artistic vein for you to exercise, you know, cause like, dude, you're like also creative. Like when you were Hagrid for Halloween, okay, incredible. <laughs> you know, you the creativity nailed it. I would, I mean, I would say yes. Um, and my dad is very much like a jack of all trades, like a Renaissance man. Yeah. Um, you know, he does, you know, he was a carpenter, like you said. Yeah. Uh, he also does fine carpentry, builds furniture. He built, um, oh. I have sitting in our dining room, I have a grandfather clock that he built. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, years could you ago, imagine? Years ago, he I, I bought cannot. my mom <laughs> a stained glass window, and where he wanted to put it, it didn't fit. So he taught himself how to stain glass said he could manipulate this window. So um, like he built, I have a lamp in my dining room that he built stained glass. Um, but my mom as well, she's, um, she does a lot of like knitting, uh, yeah. crochet, yeah. Yeah. needlepoint work. Um, she was the same, but she was the same with, I remember didn't one year, uh, I remember my little brother, Alex and your little brother, David wanted to be power Rangers for Halloween. I think your mom didn't buy them costumes, but she bought like sweatsuits and painted the Power Ranger stuff on them. Oh, very so, nice. Sounds yeah. like something she might have done. What yeah, color? Alex, what color Rangers were they? We Alex, need to know. Was, Alex was the pink one, obviously. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> That's just because think, of the fit. I think they were both the Green Ranger, I think. Power they were both the, uh, the Green Ranger as an all-timer. You, you can't, you, I mean, I don't know. Jay was always the Jason, right? But either mm -hmm. way. So uh, I was saying. That's so awesome, was, though. Real quick. What is important to mention is that people of that age, um, they didn't have Google and YouTube either. Yeah. Like if I have to figure something out, aka if my wife asks me to accomplish anything, yes, very little she asks of me. But if she asks me to do something, I think to myself, can I Google this or can I find somebody on YouTube that will teach me how to do it for how free? How much of like, no wonder like women just like hate men now, like how much of a turn on it must be, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but for Jay's <laughs> wife to be like, hey, Jay, we need a new bathroom. And he'll be like, okay, I'll just go to Home Depot. And yeah. Like, design it however you want. I can yeah. do all of that. Yeah, not my me. wife wants me to like open the garage door or something, and, and your wife wants you to actually make the garage. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a comedian, right? His name's Robert Kelly. He's a, he's a hilarious comedian. But he, he has a shtick where he says they're not making men anymore. They're making dudes like Jay and Jay's dad and like all those guys. Those are men. Mm -hmm. They wanted something done. They could build it right now. Me and you shake. We're dudes. They want something done. We can get some tape. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. our best shot. You know, <laughs> but that's it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for sure. But that's dude, that's pretty bad. Like I, I, I like that's one thing. Like I always say I can do stuff with my hands. I can't. Right. I can't to, uh, uh, you know, to a certain aspect, but Jay has like power tools in his garage and all like, it's all set mm -hmm. up nice. I'm like, dude, it's badass. That is right? really cool. Can I, Jay, can I tell the story of the bike? Oh yeah, go ahead. So, okay. So Jay's got twin boys, like I said, and the one, the one son's a little bigger than the other. So they're, they had their bikes. Right. And the one son, he grew out of his bike. Right. So he had to get a new one, but the other son hadn't yet. And they were like, oh, man, you know, he was like kind of bummed, you know, he's like, oh, my brother's getting a new bike because he's bigger. And I just I want to do bike, too, you know. So what Jay did is he took his old bike. Right. And instead of buying a new one, he sanded it down, 
He painted it. He put in new wheels, right? Oh, he man. went. So it used to be one of those, uh, what are they called? Minions, right? It was like a Minions bike. Mm-hmm. Jay then did it up, and now it's an Eagles themed bike, and it's oh, gangster yes. as hell. <laughs> Dude, I, he sent me the pictures. So they, nice. It is incredible. But to be able to, like, to do that for your son, like, come yeah. on. Is there anything better, you know? Jeez, yeah. I'll be able to build my daughter a, you know, a, a pony dream house or whatever the hell it is. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, but, but no, that's bad. Like that's badass. Sorry, I interrupted you, Shake. What were you gonna say? No, I was just just back to like being able to actually do remodeling or carpentry mm-hmm. or any of that stuff yourself. My wife and I were looking for houses out here in California, which is one of the worst possible things you can do. Oh is yeah, look for a home let's, out let's there. pick a house in the best place to live yeah. on earth. It's just the worst thing ever. And we are, we're very like, um, I guess saying calling us vain is like not, I think it's a little mean to call us vain, but we're very surface level. We do not care about the structure of the house. We don't want to hear a word about the plumbing. We don't want to hear anything. And they don't don't care when the windows were replaced. No. Cause you go in there and the retail, the realtor is telling you this stuff. Like, I don't know. You could be lying to me. I can't check. I, I don't know. And they don't have basements. One thing in Pennsylvania is you'd want to check out the basement to see if it's, you know, doubles as a pool because if water gets in there, you're in trouble. Yeah. But in yeah. California, they don't have basements. Um, and like, what I care about is the kitchen. I love to cook what? and like how big's like the sink. Go ahead. Back it up, back it up, shake. Mm-hmm. No basement. As far as I know, there's no basements in California. I you assume it's something I lived to do in California for seven years, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't have a basement in my house. We had an attic, but no basement. I've been in many, many houses now, looking home shopping, and none of them have had basements. No shoot. Um, but that's the thing is, like, I I look at like, does the counter on the in the kitchen have like a nice new countertop? Um, does the bathroom have like a new sink? And the reality is, is somebody like you, Jay, you could go into uh, a home that's like super underpriced because it doesn't have those upgrades oh. and then spend a little bit of money at Lowe's and do, do it all yourself. Yeah. And then you like your entire market opens up. That's the problem is that I need everything done and Last I don't want to pay a dime for it. <laughs> I know. I know we got I know it's just me and Shake speaking and we're just really blowing Jay up here. But last year, me and my wife went over Jay's house for dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. And we go into the house and in Jay's office on the carpet, he has like like probably like 50 pieces of wood. Right. And the reason mm-hmm. they're in the carpet and I didn't know this. And this is fascinating. Right. They're airing out. Jay, tell the procedure of why you had the, the wood in the house to air. Um, yeah, it's called stickering. So it's letting the wood accumulate to the environment that it's going to exist in um, because my workshop is the garage and it's not, there's no heating, there's no cooling. It's, you know, whatever it is outside, that's how it is inside. So if I were to build it completely out there, the wood would have, you know, absorb moisture Mm -hmm. and it would swell up. And then when I bring it into the house, the wood would start to shrink down and it can cause checking, which is like cracks in the wood and, you know, all that work that you did building a table, um, would get ruined basically because of the wood moving. Okay. Uh, so I bring it into the house and I let it sit here for, you know, maybe two weeks or so, just letting it get, you know, acclimated to the environment. And then mm-hmm. when I'm building the table, I would do it in, you know, like small little bursts. Like I go out in the garage, take the pieces I need, 
you know, make the cuts, you know, glue together, do what I need to do, and then bring it back into the house so that it's, you know, stays in that environment. Yeah, that's something yeah. exactly something a man would know and not <laughs> a damn level. dude. Okay. That's the <laughs> next level master carpentry shit. Also, I've seen the table that Jay ended up building for him and his family that they can have Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner at and Christmas dinner, right? This table, this gorgeous like table. Oh, it's beautiful. Was it oak, Jay? Is that the wood? No, it's uh I made it in a fiscally responsible manner. Nice. Um, it's just it's just pine. It's just common boards, um, stained. So I stained it and finished it. Really, a lot of the a lot of what makes it a good piece is just how much time you spend finishing it. So, um, like that's one of the things that'll frustrate my wife is I can you know if if we're gonna paint a room, I'm gonna do it right. So it's gonna yeah, take right. me a couple of days. I'm gonna clean the walls. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna respackle some areas. I'm gonna smooth mm-hmm. things out. Yeah, right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna do. Yes, maybe four or five coats as opposed to the two that some people do because <laughs> yeah. I know that the more coats I worked in a hardware store for a decade. Yeah. You know, I know that with certain paints, the more you put on, the better, the the more rich the color. Um, so, like the table, after I put the stain down on it, I hit it with five coats of a high gloss uh-huh. with sanding in between, and that builds up like a nice thick layer, like a nice thick base. And then hit it with like two or three coats of semi-gloss so it's not like glassy. Like it doesn't look shiny like a glass top, but it has this like nice rich finish on it. See, and for me, right, that's like I'm paying thousands of dollars for that. Jay paid for the wood, the finish, and like, you know, the tools and gimmick and killed it. But speaking of jobs, let's get into that, right? So obviously, Jay, I know some of your history, Uh, you know, elementary school, middle school stuff. You went to North Penn High School. And then after North Penn, you went to Gwinnett. But I want to talk, let's talk jobs. So I mm-hmm. want to talk, what was, so not counting, like, I don't want to count like, yeah, we mowed like two neighbors' lawns for five bucks or shoveled some snow. I'm not talking that. What was your first real job? Where was it at? And what were you doing? Uh, my first real job was washing dishes at a uh, little Italian restaurant. It. called Casa de Michi, House That's of it. Friends. That's it. <laughs> Me, my mom, my mom, God bless her, was working two jobs and still going to school to get her doctorate and was waitressing at this restaurant. And when she was waitressing there, she got me a job as a busboy and a and a dishwasher. Jay, did you bust too or just wash dishes? Bust too. Eventually. I started busting later on down the road. And, and my mom was a waitress there too. I don't yep. know if you guys worked with yep. her. Or An- not, Anthony worked there also. Yep. Tom, your yeah, brother, brother Anthony, Anthony worked there. Right. And we also met one of the one of the best guys who I'd love to reconnect with, Scotty Feingold. <laughs> Great yeah. guy. Love Scotty. But Bach worked there. I worked there. Jay worked there. We had a whole monopoly. We were there every mm-hmm. night. So mm-hmm. um okay. So you're working at Casa as a dishwasher and a busser. The, you know, and it's all under the table cash. I did the same thing. Everyone works under the table cash, I think. But after Casa, right? So you're working there for a couple of years. We had a nice little scam going with some jungle juice and all that stuff. Um, but moving on, you, after Casa, did you go to Wilson's right after Casa? Yeah. Uh, Casa Dimitri is the name of the restaurant we worked at. But yeah, so right after Casa Dimitri, you went to Wilson's, right? Yep. And you were at Wilson's for 10 years, you said, right? Yeah, right about 10 years. So your your old man, didn't he do work there too, right? Is that how you got the in? Yeah, he was uh, – I mean, he used to shop there all the time when he was 
yeah. you know, had his, his carpentry business. Yeah. Um, and then back in 96, he'd been in a bad head on car accident. I remember that. Um, so like he wasn't doing a whole lot of the construction anymore. Um, so he was doing, um, he worked at a place called place called pace supply, which was building and roofing supply. Um, and he also worked part-time on and off at Wilson's. Yeah, dude. I remember. So here's a great story about your dad is that there, do you ever see So I, I remember, uh, so there was a guy on our wrestling team who was really good and he never really lost, but he would lose to this one guy who was like two years older. And I remember them saying that the reason he lost is because the guy on our team had strength, but the guy he wrestled had man strength. So when you look at your dad, right, I was, he was the epitome of man strength. So I remember you're hauling in, it's like, what would they have like a hundred pound bags of salt and stuff. You guys are filling up the store with hundred pound bags of salt and Jay, you know, he's in his teens. So he's like getting some muscle and stuff and he's thinking he's tough. He's like, look, dad, I got two bags here, huh? Two bags, huh? What are you going to do? <laughs> so what did his dad do? His dad put two bags on his shoulder then put his arm straight out and held another bag, a hundred pound bag of salt, one hand straight Holy out, crap. walked it in like it was nothing. Uh, they, you, were, they were 60 pound bags. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Still, so he had 120 on his shoulder and 60. And just and he's like, oh, yeah, you think you're tough? Boom. Look at that. Holding it out there, not even shaking. Just like like that's like man strength. Yeah, know? that's what, strength. That's oh, what you yeah. get from from working working on roofs every day. He used to throw yeah. you know, a bundle of shingles, eighty pounds. He used to throw two of them on his shoulder, and climb up a ladder, two, three. Stories. That is so cool. Oh. That's so cool. If you That's ask man. if you ask any of my brothers what job my dad respects the most in the world, it's arborist. He loves arborists, and <laughs> every an arborist. time. It's like a dude who works on trees or chops down oh, trees. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. like the, the guys the that limbs. Climb. Up the trees, like when we were were younger, for whatever reason, if we were like near and in like where we live in Lansdale, PA, suburban Philadelphia, there's a lot of trees, there's you know, it's a lot of woods and stuff, so there's a lot of people working on them. And he would always stop me, like, Look at those guys, I bet they have the the strongest upper bodies, that's all upper body strength. And he's like, Point at it, I was like, Okay, that's kind of weird, (laughs) admiring these, you know, walking by, admiring these, these gents up at you know. 40 feet Dude, up that, in the air. That is but that badass. is, man, you got the certain jobs give you certain strength, mm-hmm. you know, oh, for sure. I mean, even, even today, I mean, I, I'm a, almost a foot taller than my dad outweigh him by plenty. And when it comes to certain things, like he just has, you know, we'll use the example of opening a jar. If there's a jar that I couldn't open it. I guarantee he could open it. <laughs> in, a in a second, for sure. My old man was like that too. And he, like, just they had this strength that you wouldn't believe. Your dad's mm-hmm. like that too, Shake. I yeah. see, like, your dad, more I remember. Calf, more calf strength. <laughs> well, I remember when we were kids, right? Like, like you know, biceps weren't big in the thing, but your dad had biceps like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I don't Jeez. think my dad ever had biceps. Are you serious? Yeah, he, he had biceps popping. He was like John Cena with those. Oh, guys. yeah. Oh, that's like, Are you kidding me? This is totally fiction. Whatever. Not true. He was my baseball coach. I'll tell you. They all they yeah. called him all bi- old bicep, old bicep, bi- <laughs> I don't want to, old bicep buyers. There he is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. You're at, so you were, so, okay. So while you're at, um, while you're at Wilson's hardware working, you know, working, you're, you're kind of, so the way it is in a hardware store, people, it's not like a regular store, 
right? Like if you go to the supermarket, you're walking up and down the aisle, you're grabbing your cereal, you're grabbing your whatevers. If you go to the hardware store, you need to talk to the guys there. So like you need to know your stuff. So Jay knew how to like cut keys. He knew where everything was in the store. If you could ask, ask him a question about building stuff, he knew. Jay was like the ultimate guy to talk to, you know? So, and that's like a hardware store, store is a different skill than as opposed to a regular store. So either way, Jay's in the hardware store and he used the knowledge from like his dad and working and being around tools and wood his whole life and every, and carpentry and all that stuff. But while you're at the hardware store, right? So this was when we were sophomores in high school. So you finished up high school, went to college and everything still at the hardware store, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what, so, and then in high school, you were baseball, big time baseball player, this guy telling you he's got an arm like a cannon <laughs> right you gotta imagine too it's a very intimidating presence also first baseman this guy used to be able to do a full split right <laughs> so he's freaking he's you know he's seven feet tall standing on first base he can stretch almost halfway to second doing a full <laughs> split, you know but he was he was a murderer out there right so Jay played ball all the way after high school. You would play. You played in the in like the teener leagues and stuff, right? Yeah, after we high played. School. I played Legion till the end of high school, and then um, didn't really care to pursue it. I was kind of. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't looking forward to the rigors yeah, of later I, on. Mm-hmm. Um, but played in what was called senior Connie Mac, which yeah. oh yeah, it was yeah, it was basically it was Wednesdays and Sundays. Just yeah. hanging out with people, playing some baseball. So yeah, yeah. So I, you're kind of. I, I liked it. Yeah. I love, I, dude. I love going to the games. You know, because mm-hmm. they're at. We have in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, land of the free, home of the brave. There's a beautiful park called Memorial Park, and it's like almost like a half stadium where it was like I remember, dude. When we were kids, I remember we would go see Jack play at Memorial, and I remember mm-hmm. saying like, I "Can't wait to play under the lights. We're gonna yeah. play under the lights." <laughs> You know, when you're playing under the lights, it's all different story. Even though those <laughs> lights were made for like football fields, so if a, a fly ball came out there, you're losing it. Yeah. But either way, that was fun. Yeah, uh, those so, lights were not ideal. Oh no. God, no. So people don't know this. So after, so Jay goes to Gwen and Mercy for college, right? So Jay, you told me this is that you know your wife was that she was enrolled at Westchester first, right? And then. Right. And, and she never went to Gwinnett, though, right? No. Okay. So, but she was going because she wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So Jay was like, well, I love my wife. Well, at that time, it was girlfriend. But he's like, well, you know, maybe I'll give teaching a shot. So Jay goes to Gwinnett, and he starts going to school to be a teacher, right? But while at Gwinnett, he joined the ping pong club. <laughs> and let me tell you, bro. No way. Bro. Bro, Jay had like Jay had gotten the deluxe table he had so we could play at his house. And dude, I went to a ping pong club with him a couple times. It was awesome, right? <laughs> like you're legit just <laughs> going. Jay, I, I don't think I ever beat Jay once. I don't even think I got close. Jay was like trying out new serves and stuff on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I but, can't like, believe Gwen even had a ping pong. You know, was, at this point, I should mention that I also went to Gwendolyn Mercy University, as it's called now. It was probably called college back then. Was um, they went? They what? They sold out. They went corporate. Uh, now the university, but it does not strike me as the place to even have a ping pong club. But maybe a secret ping pong club. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't a secret. <laughs> it was fun. It was only like 
It was like every other Thursday. Yeah. Um, Perfect. They had in the, right. that, I don't even remember the names of the buildings, but where the basketball stadium was. Oh, okay. And yeah. Like that common area up above, they would roll out like five tables. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. I was Will also on the there? What's that? I said I was also on the golf team. Oh, I didn't know mm. that. Yeah. I must have forgot that. I can see that. Honestly, I'll tell you this, and this is for all our listeners. You can use this secret and thank me later. <laughs> so for uh, my brother asshole's bachelor party, right? Um, we're at his bachelor party, and he his whole thing, like, let's go golfing, then let's hit the bar and do the thing, right? Or no, this was it wasn't even his – well, bachelor party we did too, but this was his birthday. And going into it, I'm at the gym talking to a couple buddies. I'm like, God, I got to go play golf and – my whole thing was, I was like, I just don't want to be the guy you're chasing my ball everywhere. You know, I just don't want to be that guy. I'm slowing everybody up and all this. And no, they can't pound beers and all this, whatever. So I had a buddy at the gym, right? His name's Bill Burke. And Bill's like, look, Matt, this is what you do. You bring some chapstick, all right? You take a little chapstick and you rub it on the head of your driver and on the head of your short game clubs, right? Leave the putter alone, Okay. Right. I was like, why? He's like, because if you do that and you just hit the ball straight, like if you just hit the ball connect solid and don't be hitting it, you know, left or right. Right. If you hit it, it doesn't slice because it doesn't put a spin. And I was like, get the hell out of here. So go to the first. We're at uh, what's the one over in Harleysville? Oh, God. Mainland. Mainland. So we go to Mainland. Decent course. Go to Mainland and we step up to the first tee. Right. So my brother asshole goes and all these guys, right? Like they're all dressed in like khaki shorts, golf shirts, tucked in hats, all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So my brother asshole goes, hits a shot. And then a couple other guys go hit a shot. Right. And then I go up there. I was smoking cigarettes at the time. I go up there. I had a backwards hat on. My shirt was untucked. I think I was wearing Jordans. Right. And I walk up, flick the cigarette out. I'm holding the, the club like a shillelagh. Right. Walk up. <laughs> don't even take a practice swing and crack it dude i'm saying like 300 yards straight down the fairway right just a beautiful bit best shot of the first hole right and i was like oh your chapstick works right <laughs> used it used it the whole day and was her rushing them so nice. i'll tell you what there. People, people will do this golf golf people are lunatics they will do anything to improve their game even a little tiny bit you could tell them to close their eyes and swing, and they would try it at least once. And yeah. the chapstick Every, will be will be sold out at the. Uh, I don't. The I don't care. Show. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Tiger Dam Woods. I guarantee Tiger Woods has tried the Happy Gilmore swing. I guarantee. <laughs> I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jack Nicholas. You're trying it, right? Everyone's tried it. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so let's move on. So you're there, you're at Gwented. Same time you're at Gwented, you're working at Wilson's, you're doing your thing. So after you're done Wilson's, right, and you graduate college, you're done at Wilson's, then what? Where do you go from there after Wilson's? Um, I still worked at Wilson's for about a year after I graduated. Okay. Um, but I was, I was lucky. So when you, if you go to school for education, uh, you do what's called student teaching. Yep. So... I wrapped up my <laughs> I wrapped up my student teaching um, and I was like I was eager just I wanted to get a job and yeah. back in you know back when I graduated in 2008 yeah. it was I mean the competition for a job was fierce yeah right now I mean it's 
there's such a shortage of teachers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but back, you know, you go back 12 years and there was a surplus and it was difficult. So I was like, I need to get myself out there and need to try and get a job. Yeah. So I finished student teaching on a Friday, but I had all my paperwork ready to go to show that I'd completed right. my work. Yeah. Um, you know, the applications were being filed with the state. Like I was going to be certified. I just didn't have yeah. the paperwork yet. Yeah. So I submitted all that with a local district. Yeah. So I finished student teaching on a Friday and by Wednesday I was substituting oh. um, in buildings. It was, you know, we're talking May. So usually towards the end of the year yeah. is when, you know, a lot of people start using up their personal days, yeah, you know, yeah. nice weather, taking some days sure. off. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so I started subbing, you know, within a week after finishing my student teaching. Um, and during my student teaching, my uh, field supervisor um, was involved with the same district. Um, so you know, she put yeah. my name out there and oh. I got very, uh, you know, I was doing what I was supposed to do and you know, also, working hard for yeah. during student teaching. Sure. Um, but then, so I got interviews. And, oh, man, what a solid. Yeah, by midsummer, I had my first teaching job. Dude, that's, that's awesome. And that's like the same thing you were talking about with, you know, like if you're going to paint a room, it's going to take an extra day or two because it's attention right. to detail. Do it exactly. right. You know, mm-hmm. and right. also, right. go ahead. No, no, you go, Shake. Go, go, go. It's the same principle, you know, if you're going to go through student teaching and all of that hard work. And I should mention now that I also got certified to be a teacher at Gwinnett and <laughs> student taught under our guest today, Jay Powers. <laughs> and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, he, rave, he raves about it, Jay. I, on it, everybody, that, everybody that I talk, I can tell about it. I tell them how awesome it was. Um, yep. He, he student, speaks so high of you, Jay. It's yeah, like and, 10 inches tall. Okay. <laughs> we don't want him any taller than he already is. I already, yeah. The listeners will know I have so, a lot against the tall people, but I'll make an <laughs> exception for you. But becoming a teacher is not an easy thing to do. It no. is absolutely. It's not an easy, and it's not it's an easy mental, job when you have it. When yeah, it, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's that's that attention to detail is definitely something. So that hold on, let's, I would let's, comes let's in go handy. into that though. Let's go in because that's fascinating stuff. That's something I don't know. So Jay, can you enlighten us a little bit on the process of getting? T- so you went to college, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. like when you're in college, do they set you up with like a teaching program with a school, or do you, they, they do they tell you to do that? Right? They maybe the school doesn't set you up, but they tell you like, Hey, contact these people and they'll set you up for a job, like a, like a, like a sit in or like a student teach gimmick. Yeah, it is. It's all done through your college or university. Okay. Um, like we're like people who are in education programs um, for student teaching aren't supposed to contact the districts by themselves. Uh, um, you know, uh, if you take, uh, if you take creation. education, <laughs> if you take, some of your education classes, um, it might be up to you to kind of reach out to some districts and say, like, I'm trying to observe in this and do what you need to do. Um, But it it is all set up through the district. So I'm sorry, through the university or college. Uh, So like with Gwinnett, in the secondary program, your focus is more like a subject area major. So like I, my degree is a history degree. Yeah. Like, so I have a, a bachelor's in history from Queen of Mercy. Yeah. And then on top of that, you do your education classes. Okay. So and that's like general education stuff, right? General education. Um, okay. So you do like you learn some special education, some, you know, 
you learn different teaching techniques. It's, you know, you're kind, your kind of so education. like, if you like, cause that's kind of setting you up to be a sub, right? Like, well, it's setting you up just to kind of get the basics down for, uh-huh. you know, what's entailed when it be, when, if you're going to become yeah. a teacher, these are some things you need to learn. Yeah. These are some things you need to know. This is yeah. some experiences you need to have. Gotcha. Um, and then once with Gwynedd, they required that you have taken and passed the Pennsylvania teaching um, exams before you even student teach, even though it's not a requirement to student teach. Oh. Um, Gwynedd is well known. One of the things they're well known for is education. Yeah. So they want they want their teacher they want their student teachers to be ready to go right out the door. Hence, I kid. I I finished student so teaching on a Friday and was ready by Wednesday. If you're like if you go to Gwynedd, it's like you know if you play for Alabama going to the pros, they know this this guy's they're you're league ready. You're ready for the league. <laughs> so I feel like localized version of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like they. I feel like Gwynedd, at least when I was there, had two main focuses, education and nursing. Yeah, big yeah, nursing. I, I would agree big. with that. And something to keep in mind is if you go there for history, which Jay and I both did uh, almost like a decade apart, uh-huh. um, the history department is very small. You feel like you're like, it's like smaller than Hogwarts. You're like, it's <laughs> like a handful of uh, people. And the history department is a few professors and it's very, very tight knit and you get to know the people you're with. Like, you know, mm-hmm. them on a first the best way to learn. But then when you are finishing up your history degree, you then go over and do your education classes. That is like the opposite where it's all standardized because you're dealing with like an actual government, you know, profession, yeah. like, you know, regulations, there's best practices for teaching and you go there and it's the opposite where, you know, you're on like a conveyor belt. They're they're gonna yeah. get you ready to become a teacher, but you have to follow their program. There's no like, you know, I'm, I mean, I would say that Gwinnett also is still very small, even in the education department compared to like yeah. Westchester and the other big schools. But at the same time, it's like the history department's like do whatever you want there, ha- have your friends, you know, become best buds with your professors. But then when you're here in the education department, you got to get down to business because you're eventually going to make a paycheck from this if you do it the right way. So, okay. So awesome. All right. So you get your, so they made you do the state testing at Gwinnett before you could student teach, right? Mm -hmm. So you do your student teaching and everything at Gwinnett. So you're done your student teaching. So you have to file with the state to get your license to teach after the student teaching process. Is that right? The, um, the university or the college for me, university yeah. for, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they switched. It was a couple of years after I left, but they wanted the um, money. They, yeah. They file the paperwork for you. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you get all the ducks in a row, you give them. And then like, so for me, like that Friday that I finished student teaching, yeah. um, I sent an email to, you know, I forget what the person's name was saying. Yeah. Like I did my student teaching, like here's, you know, here's all my credentials to send to the state. You know, can you please give me a letter saying that I'm certified to teach? And then they, you know, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, he he gave me the letter saying that I had fulfilled all the requirements and was just waiting on the state to oh, to issue nice. the certificate. Okay, so just so just so for our listeners listening, right? So you do your you get your degrees and everything, all that gimmick. You do your student teaching. Once your student teaching is done, you like the school is obviously tracking this. You fill out the necessary paperwork, then the school sends it to 
the state, and then you get your contact with them. Hey, I'm official. Put me in the league. I'm ready to go. Right. <laughs> so right away, though, you're not getting a job like you're not getting a, a, a permanent job right away. You're like everyone does uh, substituting first. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's it would be the number one option for most people. Just I mean, you could, you know, if you finish student teaching, like for me, I finished student teaching in the the spring semester of 2008. And by fall semester of 2008, I had a teaching job. Yeah, Um, I only substitute for one month before I got how many how many times did you have to go into sub? Um, It was just about every day. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And how Um, do you get how do you get paid for that? Um, so it's changed a lot since I, um, since I started teaching, uh, when yeah. I was substituting, there used to be a graduated scale. So the first 20 days that you substituted, you got paid $90 a day. Damn. And then on the 21st day, you would get a $200 bonus and then you Damn. got a hundred, then you got a hundred dollars per day. Yeah. Yeah. After 20, so it kept graduating up. And I think the most was like $110 a day. So the most you could make a week was $550. Right. Um, Yeah. Before taxes. Before taxes. Jesus. And then. You're walking away with 250 at the most. (laughs) And then um, more recently, because there's been such a shortage, we've had, we call them, they're sub failures. So there's been a lot of times where we don't have substitutes to fill the jobs that we need. Oh, so shit. yeah, so there's a so in order to have more competition and draw more people, um, a lot of the districts around here and um, companies that source out substitutes have been raising their rates. No um, kidding. So I think I mean I can't I can't say Dude. exactly, but I want to say like in our district it's like maybe one twenty five a day, yeah. maybe one thirty five a day. Sure. Um, it's which is yeah you know not bad for. Yeah, you know, a lot of retired teachers will do it now just to just to get um, some extra cash. Yeah, yeah. get out there and, yeah. so, and, and stay I sub, active. And- I sub for a little bit, uh, like a year and a half, um, and now they have an app. I haven't done it for a couple of years now uh, since I moved to California, but there's an app that basically from about 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. and honestly, even later than that, you'll get a ding on your cell phone saying. Hey, we had a teacher call out. Do you want to go to such and such middle or high school tomorrow? Um, and it can and be anywhere in the district you're. It's only in the district you're assigned to. You can set parameters saying like I only okay. want to go to this school or whatever. But uh, if you're serious, like Jay's talking about, racking up those extra days in the month so yeah. that you hit your bonuses, like you you pretty much want to try to go almost every day if you can pull yeah. it off. Yeah. And it's just a matter of whether you have like the the mental fortitude to like go into whatever the situation is because you'll go into some classes where the teacher rules with an iron fist and has things rolling and you go in and the, and the students just by, you know, just by practice, they're very well behaved. And then you go into other classrooms and you can tell the teacher did not have a control of things. And the students are, are, you know, licking their chops, seeing a a sub roll in there. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about that for a sec. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so do you know the bistro in Lansdale, right? Yes. Great, great little restaurant. There is a lady that works there. Her name's Rose. Okay. This lady is I like just, she's the nicest lady. Always like when we would go in, she would buy desserts for us. And like, she talks to my mom and like, she's a teacher, the nicest lady. I think her family owns the bistro, right? 
but she was a substitute teacher in for an English class I had as a senior in high school. And I'm not going to lie. I wasn't in the best classes. I was in the classes with like kids that were going to the military, kids that caught out of juvie and girls that were going to be pregnant or were already pregnant and like had kids and stuff. Wasn't in the best classes, kind of a troublemaker. Right. But I was also hilarious. So I got away with some <laughs> in this particular class. I made this teacher cry laughing so much that she had like a panic attack. This is how. So I'm obviously goofing off. Do you remember? I won't say, uh, we can add out his name. His name was Anthony Chinovsky, right? And we were uh, all hanging out in the, like, the class and it's a sub. So like right away, we're all like, this class wasn't controlled. So right away, I'm like, oh, let's go sub. And I had, she had subbed other classes before I'd seen her. She was a nice lady. So she kind of knew me. She called me word, right? Because she would say something, I'd be like word. And so she called me word, <laughs> right? So we're in the class and like, I'm goofing off doing all these things. And all of a sudden, like, and I, I forget what had happened before, but like, we're funning around and I'm like, and like I had made, like I had broken up the class with some jokes like a couple times. Right. Then all of a sudden Chinovsky's there. Right. He stay, he takes a tampon, sticks a tampon in a water bottle. So it like, oh, yeah. it, it, it like, whoosh, you know, then he takes it out, whips it and he throws it and it hits me in the leg. Right. So did you ever see that scene in, uh, in Ace Ventura 2? where he gets the spear thrown in his leg, right? <laughs> I, that's what I did. I was like, ah! 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 right? Because I thought it was used. Because, <laughs> like, I'm legit, like, in the front of the class and in the back and, like, cracking jokes, right? Mm -hmm. And he hit me with it and, like, ah! Ah! going nuts. The, the whole class loses it. The teacher is, like, crying, hysterical, laughing. Right. And then the bell rings and I got to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, You're yeah. lucky the teacher was just laughing about that. That's a, dude, she's a good she, sport. Dude, I, I, I wouldn't doubt. And I'm not going to say anything about Rose, but I, I know several people pissed themselves. It was absolutely hysterical. Right. Maybe I'm not giving it justice, but it's maybe one of the things I had to be there. But either way. <laughs> so I knew for me, at least when a sub was in, it was game time. Right. I remember being like, okay, we won't get into stories, but I like it was game time. As substitute teachers, what what would you like? Are you going in there like like dukes up, like let's go? Like, or what is your mentality? Jay, what was your mentality? Uh you asked me to think back. Well, Jay also here. to be fair, Jay. Like kids will see you and you're an intimidating presence because you are a tall, you're a tall, like you're, you're, you're a pretty strong guy. You know what I mean? Like, and you're not a chump, right? So you're going in there, right? And they have to strain their necks to even look at you. But Amen. you at the, at the time when you were doing the substitute teaching, you had a nice little baby face. Let's be honest. <laughs> you got that young face, you know? So I don't know if you had a beard then, but if you went in, but still, I mean, either way. You know, you could have gone in and whatever, but I, I'm pretty sure, you know, because you were bigger than all the kids, that was something. Shake, I'm not trying to be a dick, but when you went in there, right? When you went in there, you you just maybe didn't have the presence, but you had the chutzpah. You had plenty of chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, I but, bargained with yeah. the kids. <laughs> oh yeah, J Shake, what was your Sometimes, experience yeah. like? Uh, it, it was. It's a real mixed bag, honestly. I I think that. 
I mean, you just get surprised on both ends with, you know, you expect kids to be jerks and they're actually awesome and you expect them to be perfectly well behaved, like the greatest students, like an ideal student. And then all of a sudden one day they're, they're terrible to you or they do something that, and you know what it is? The answer is they're kids. You know, these are, these are like, and Jay and I both worked in in a middle school um, and we got our certifications in secondary education and I realized the first day I walked in, I was in a middle school and I was like, oh crap, half these kids are taller than me. I'm five, six. Half these kids are already taller than me. And I was like, I should have done, um, you know, I, I should have done yeah, elementary education. <laughs> and, no, you got, you had to do middle because if you did elementary and any of those kids were taller than you, then you're in real shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I had to. I had to place myself where, literally, where my height went. But uh, yeah. I don't know. And Jay, you should talk about. Um, I mean, not just as a substitute, what you, how you handle it now as an actual teacher. I mean, you have a lot of experience now, and when you're a sub, you're dealing with the kids for 43 minutes. at At a public school like we uh, worked in, you're dealing with usually an eight, you know, an eight period bell schedule. So you have the kids for somewhere around 40 to 43 minutes and then they're out the door. And that's, you know, we don't like to look at it that way or, or not. I say we, I don't work in the profession anymore, but teachers don't like to look at it that way. But the reality is, is that they're out the door. And when yeah. you're an actual teacher, they're coming back the next day for the most part. Oh, and it's, wow. it's an ongoing episode situation where, hey, we had an awful Monday. Let's see if we can do a little bit better on Tuesday. Yeah. Jay, talk about that, though. That's. That's something that I really like learning let's about. Progress. So let's progress then. So Jay, you do your time. You, 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 like you said, like Shake said, and this is Jay, you know, I've known you for a long time. And I even told my wife this. I was like, the type of person Jay is, if Jay has something or does something or is with something, one, if he has something, he's going to take the best care of it possible. Right? Like I remember you got a mongoose menace when we were kids and you would wash <laughs> your damn bike. Right, like, <laughs> I remember I I wasn't washing my damn bike, but Jay's washing his bike. He's like fixing the chrome, like all this stuff. Right, so Jay has always like done his best to take care of things the best he could, and like really, really good that way. And he always like when he goes in to do something, he does have that like blue collar working class mentality where it's like we're doing this, we're damn doing it. This ain't no half ass. So, so that being said, Jay does does his time substituting. And how do you go, what is the process paperwork wise and everything to go from being a substitute to a, a full-time teacher? What is that like, Jay? Um, paperwork goes, it's just, I mean, there's nothing different I had to do or file, okay. um, except for when you're a teacher, you are the one responsible for putting those lessons together okay. every day. Okay. Um, and for the first, you know, let's say first three years of teaching, I mean, it's, you know, every single night up till 10, 11 o'clock at night, even if you had your lesson plans for the next two weeks done, yeah. you're still up 11 o'clock the night before trying to make sure everything's perfect. Everything's ready to go. Um, so that's it is the I first mean, three years you're saying usually but, it's it's that's what everybody says. Like eventually um, you get the hang of it. You get the hang of it. You also learn the curriculum more. So I wouldn't say that it's like it does get easier. Um but kind of to your point, I very rarely recycle the exact same lesson from year to year. 
So like, even if I knew what I wanted to do and I had the worksheet done or I had the activity done, what I would do as soon as something was finished is I reflected on it and would say this worked, this didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with technology made it super easy because um, in the district where I'm in, we're what's called one-to-one. So every student has their own device. Okay. So, and we, a lot of things are done digitally. Nice. So it was super easy. Like if I had a lesson and things went well, like, or things didn't go well, like in the document, I'd highlight certain sections like bright yellow and add a comment to the doc, just like change this for next year. So then next year when I'm like, like, so I open up like, all right, we're getting to this. Let me review some things. I open up that work, open up that activity. I'm like, Oh, I got to make sure I change this up. Um, so, but the more you kind of become familiar with what you're teaching, um, it makes it easier to figure out how you want the students to go about learning it. Damn. So, uh, okay. So let's think, right? All right. So I always, honestly, in my mind, right? Like say when our parents were in school, the difference between classes when our parents were in school and when, you know, like when we were in school, yeah, maybe we had like TVs, you know, and some other things, but it was still textbooks or still pencils and paper and everything like that. Now, when we were in school as to now, it's completely different. No mm-hmm. textbooks, right? Like you're, everyone's on a tablet. Everything's done digitally. You can look up videos, all this gimmick, right? Like everything like that. Like to me, I would love to see what a classroom is like now, like how it even goes. Like, cause you're not saying open up your textbooks to page, whatever you're saying, yeah. okay, uh, I'm sending you the link for this. Everyone open this or something like that. Right. Um, and even in the past four years or so, um, I've been even getting away from kind of being the person that tells them what they need to learn. Um, I've been doing what's called personalized learning. Uh-huh. So because we have technology, technology yeah. makes it scalable that you can really personalize education to every single student. Um, now, so for, for years and years, there's been students in the school that have special plans. There's a GIEP. So the students who are gifted, okay. they have like a special education plan to, right. you know, to focus on a given enrichment to, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the regular schooling just, you know, maybe isn't enough. Yeah. Um, and then you learn more. And there's also an IEP for students that might have a specific learning disability. Um, there's also things called 504s where if there's like a medical issue that might prevent a student from accessing the material, maybe like a hearing issue or a vision okay. issue. Um, so there's been individualized or personalized education for a while, but now with technology, we can really scale it to every single student, regardless of whatever specific learning disability they have. Does that, uh, um, does that pertain to, to like, say, uh, English as a second language kids as well? Like, does it um, help you a lot? Like, the technology help you with kids that are English as a second language? Like that, It certainly does. Yeah. Um, it certainly does. I mean, just the ease with which things can be translated, yeah. um, you know, on the fly. Within the actual classroom, there's not as much of the translation that we do because um, just wanting them to be immersed in the language. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in certain circumstances or instances, like, if they you really need to get this across, you, know, you can try and use, like, a Google Translate or something. Um, but also like a lot of like textbook materials and things now will automatically have certain versions. Like you'll have the, um, the version in English and then you press a button, there'll be a version for Spanish and a version for this and that. 
Yeah. Nice. So it, yeah. Dude, that's incredible. See, yeah, that's, that's like, so cool. I, honestly, one of the things that pisses me off, and I think, Shake, you're the same way. And this pisses me off. I already off agree with you. Yeah. This <laughs> pisses me off in the workplace the most is that maybe, like, I, you know, uh, maybe you're at a job that, you know, obviously everyone's not doing their dream job, whatever. But if I'm at a job, even if it's not my dream job, I'm still going to do my best and I'm going to do the extra and I'm going to do the best possible. Right. And I'm going to try and I'm going to work. Right. The thing that makes me so mad is when my like colleagues at work or something go like they don't put in the same amount of effort as I do. Like, hey, maybe I'm not as good as you or you're not as good as me. That's fine. That That's always going to happen. But if you're not if you're just lazy and just doing the minimum amount required, that's not good. Like, that's what makes me angry. Yeah. When I see Jay doing his teaching, Jay is going to the extra. Jay told Jay got someone to sponsor and buy his classroom a 3D printer so he could have more interactive activities oh, with his students. That's, that's the awesome. kind of teachers, that's the kind of teachers that you need. And if Jay, if they were if they were like incentives out there where they're like paying teachers like Jay more and like Jay's wife, you know, teachers that make the classroom fun and make education and school a better part of a kid's life then I think there'd be more teachers like Jay, which would essentially make the world a better place. Literally. Sorry to get on the soapbox there. You know what I mean? But I couldn't agree more. Like t- the importance of teachers is very high and it is upsetting when Jay says stuff like they're screaming for teachers. Now I can only imagine in the suburbs, if they're screaming for teachers, what it's like in the inner cities, you know, mm-hmm. like it's gotta be, it's gotta be atrocious, you know? But it's also a shame, like the way some teachers get treated and the pay that they get, and like they should be. I mean, well, we're we're getting off topic. That's yeah, a little too political. We should definitely get into that. But one thing I want to say is that might be missing here is the creativity that goes into these lesson plans. Um, yep. You know, technology is incredible, and what we've learned um, from when I was student teaching, from when I was a student in high school, um, and Jay said it's even changed in the past uh, few years, even more. Is that like it used to be like, oh, we have these computers. Let's see how we can incorporate them into our lesson plans because, oh, the district paid for them. We got to make them. We don't want them to like collect dust. And what it, it seems like the harnessing of that technology as of late has been let's find out what the core principles are that actually kids need to learn. And if technology can help or if the old fashioned way is the way to do it, then let's do whichever one, you know, is the right way to do it. Um, yeah. But I, when, one of the things I really liked when I was student teaching with you, Jay, is the creativity that would go into these lesson plans. And it really, it's kind of like an awesome creative process, it, like anything, like a, an artist or anybody who's like a writer or whatever. When I would come in in the morning and you would be like, oh, I have this idea. Um, two weeks from now, we're going to have to teach this. You know, we were doing geography at the time. We have to do this specific place. And uh, I had this idea to incorporate this one book. It's like a children's book, but we're going to use it, you know, in this lesson plan and the kids are going to love it. And I, I did, we're going to adjust it a little bit from last time. And that like process of it, so much goes into the back end before it even reaches the children that it, it's really, really an awesome, awesome process. And I, I like bit into that big time. And frankly, since moving on from teaching, I've worked a lot in marketing. And the principles are there as well. And you have these people who are just like marketing geniuses that can just sit there and listen to a pitch or listen to 
you know, what does your company do? Okay, now I know how you should, you know, brand your company. And they're getting paid zillions of dollars for it. You know, the, the, yeah. the paycheck is limitless if you're a great marketer. Unfortunately, as a teacher, you know, there's these, you know, huge restrictions on, or at least that's what it's, you know, that's what it appears to be for me. I don't want to speak for you, Jag, but does that get frustrating that you feel like I'm dumping so much brain power into this, you know, I want my colleagues to at least match that or pay me more, you know? <laughs> Do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely like both sides of it. Um, you know, it's, it is frustrating, especially in the role that I'm in now. So like as an instructional coach, yeah. um, like part of what I'm, what I want to do and why I took the, the job is that I can take these practices that I've been practicing and using in my own classroom and help others do the same thing. Um, so one of the frustrating things is definitely when like, you might you know, sit down with somebody or, you know, have a, a Google meet conference with somebody um, and their big roadblock is that, well, it just, it just takes time. Oh. Um, and in, in, I, I read, I've, I can't tell you how many different books I've read related to like personalized learning and things. Yeah. Uh, but one quote that kind of stuck with me was that like so many people do, they, they know what is right and what they should be doing, but they do what's convenient. Uh. Right. And it does, it really speaks volumes. I mean, like there's, you know, amazing teachers out there even ones that are doing incredibly you know is there always room to put in more time sure um but it's you know it's one of those things where like you have there's like these great things that you could be doing um and you know it's some people are unwilling to put in the time and that's understandable especially this day like literally this day because of where just the entire nation the entire world is like everyone's just trying to cope the best they can with everything that's going on. So especially in, in our district, um, teachers are teaching hybrid. Yeah. So students are coming in. Some students are completely virtual. Yeah. And then some students come in every other day. Yeah. But even on the, the students that are in every other day or virtual, they're still live streaming into the classroom. Okay. So if I'm like, if I'm a teacher, um, I got my students out in front of me. I also have students to my left on a big screen and I'm trying to divide my my attention between (sighs) this or that. Um, So there's there's literally, there's so much. That's unreal. um, Yeah. There's so much that makes it a thousand times more stressful. Yeah. So even if there's, if there's things out there that, um, you know, would help kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. You know, Teachers don't have don't have yeah. the time right now because one hundred percent of their time is spent just trying to get through the day. Do you think virtual reality will ever play a part in a classroom? I've right? used it. No shit. <laughs> that's, that's, the we, kind, uh, that's the kind of teachers that make a difference. I guarantee there's a thousand students that have been out there that will say that will remember Mr. Bowers. You know what I mean? Like yeah, coming, yeah, yeah. like dude. That's like, well, I'll tell that, you. like, that's, that's, that's making a difference. You know, like that's the kind what, of shit that's important. Matt, how many uh, virtual high schools have you been kicked out of? Jesus. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, was kicked, I was kicked out of two non-virtual ones, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jay. Sorry. You're about to say. Well, I was just going to say to that, to that point, like with the personalized learning is 
the students are to remember more what they chose to do. I've had students who for a project on their own decided to take the class on a virtual reality field trip. Um, so we, um, virtual reality we have, field? yeah, so okay. it starts, there's, to give you a lot of backstory, there's an application called Google Expeditions. Yeah. So it's a Google thing. And with the virtual reality goggles that you can put a phone in, as a teacher, you can lead them through different scenes and highlight different things. Oh, so, damn. Right. So I, I started with that and would have, you know, for certain, because I taught geography and culture. So I got yeah. to take students all over the world. Oh, my um, God. That is so cool. <laughs> but I think Matt signed up for that. <laughs> when I started I doing the personal. adult. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like when I started doing the personalized learning, I'm not the one who's creating those lessons. I'm encouraging the students to design their own artifacts, their own presentations, their own things. So I had a group of students. They always worked together. They, they worked well together, even if they were noisy. Um, but we had a project called the Five Themes of Geography Project. Okay. So they had to prove to me in the class that they understood what are called the Five Themes of Geography and how they apply to different locations. Okay. So what they did was they used their phones. Real quick, what are the five themes? <laughs> Location, place, region, movement, and human environment interaction. Okay, good. Now go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what they did was they, on their phones, they downloaded 360 Photosphere apps. Okay. So what, what they did was actually, as part of their project, they went out into their neighborhoods. They went out into like local areas around town. And they, the way the app works is you stand in one spot and you take, you know, maybe 50 or 60 photos and they show you a little dot on the screen of where you have to hover your camera and take the picture. Oh, and then what the, the app does is puts it all together into the oh, photosphere, dude. right? So they went to, um, like they went to the Mercer Museum. Yeah. They went to um, like Montgomery Mall. They went to some places, but literally the week that I gave them to work on this project, one of the students was visiting Ireland with her family. Oh, so she's, I'm trying to remember where exactly, I don't remember the name of where she was standing, but somewhere, maybe like, I'm just going to say Kilkenny Castle in Ireland, right? <laughs> say, she wasn't there, but let's just say she was, um, she took a photosphere from Kilkenny Castle, up, uploaded it to Google Street View yeah. so that when her partners gave the presentation, like her, her piece was there from Ireland. Dude, that's like, that's one of the things it's not just about, you know, are you using technology? It's how do you use it? And honestly, I didn't come up with that project. They did. You know, I just said, show me, you know, the five themes. And that's what they took away from it. That is incredible. Yeah, that's so to cool. Me. Also, that's one of those presentations, right? That did they have to present it to the whole class? Mm -hmm. and the class class ate it up. Oh, oh yeah, because they all because I, I let them bring their phones in yeah. so that they can access the things. And we have class sets of the uh, well, there was two school sets that you could check out from our library. So I would check out one of the school sets. So the students they would sit in their desk or stand if they wanted to with the virtual reality goggles and. They would down. Like, they had to have Street View. So, like as part of their presentation, they would say, "All right, so now we're going to show you what location is." 
So if you could please search search this term in Google Street View and select the photo by you know one of their names. Yeah. So like the students in their phones, they would search, they'd find it. And on Street View, if you click the little icon that looks like goggles, yeah. Yeah. it turns it into the so Ooh. like all the students, yeah, you know, they're putting on their 3D goggles, and as they're looking around the um, this group of students is pointing out things they should be seeing and how it relates to place, oh my region, God. things like that. Dude, that I, is, I, dude, as it, and like, are you standing in the classroom seeing all these kids like pointing at like the wall? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, oh my God, is that a yeah. gargoyle there? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like see, with, <laughs> with things like that, like not only am I, you know, impressed with how they are able to engage the students, I'm engaged myself. Like oh, I have my own in. phone. You're all in. I have my own phone and my own 3D goggles. Oh. And I'm, <laughs> I'm looking around just as just as excited that's as the students are. See, that's the kind of shit that makes like that's that's what school like that kind of shit. Like you can't like you could be at the best private school in the world, whatever. That's an experience that's so unique that those kids get to have that they're gonna take with yeah. them forever. I guarantee. Every kid in that in that that was at least part of that project can name the five things of geography, right? Like mm-hmm. the you know what I'm saying? Like that's goddamn teaching, man. That's beautiful yeah. shit. And like how rewarding is that to see these kids like bl- like just knock it out of the park like that, right? That's got to be it's very rewarding, dude. So oh man, that's incredible. That to me, that's fantastic. That's a great story. I think there's so, definitely a place for like adults to get this curriculum again. I am right. Honestly believe that. right. I think that there's like a business opportunity there for, I don't know about you guys, but especially with math, I mean, I, I still hold the world's record for the lowest GPA in North Penn history to ever, <laughs> to ever actually graduate. But, and I certainly, I can't remember uh, one day of math class, but now I would love to take a math class and actually succeed at it. It'd be so cool. Yeah. Khan Academy. Yeah. No, I, I want to like some real student experience. I want to go into a school. <laughs> and, I think eventually, eventually the way things are going to work, right. Is like, I, like, I always saw this, like virtual reality is going to be so big. Like eventually. Okay. Like, so let's say for instance, video games, Right. What if you could go to, let's say, like a, a building that used to be like a supermarket? It's like a huge open space. You can go in there, you can put on your virtual reality goggles, and you're transformed into like World of Warcraft or something. And you can carry around a stick and you can virtually walk through like World of Warcraft and go through all these different places. Or, right, like there'll be a theme park, a whole giant like space that would be a theme park that is now this this it is virtual reality and it's so interactive and so like this is what it's going to be that shit's going to be coming soon and what and like the classrooms are going to be that way too with everything going on and all that you know all the covid bullshit like a classroom is definitely going to be if you could be virtually sitting in a classroom and like and if it's that interactive and that much like dude it's you're not you're putting like a pair of sunglasses on and that's how like easy it is parents and school districts are going to be all over that all Mm -hmm. over that you know, mm-hmm. so, OK, uh, one thing I was thinking of when you were talking about now, does this happen? And I wanted to see your opinion. So when you listen to like, OK, like I listen to like Rogan, right, Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan would say it like for. So when you're when you were talking earlier about you would like you can keep track of your listens plans and what worked and what didn't. Right. That's almost like you're working on a set for stand up. 
right? So like if a standup goes out and if a joke doesn't work, he like tweaks it or does something or figure out what works and he tweaks it and does that, right? But then on the other side of that, there are standups that do the same exact routine for every day for the same 10 years, you know? And Rogan says those guys are like, those guys don't last. Like they don't, they don't work at their craft and things like that. Is there teachers out there, even with technology and all the stuff you have available and all the cool things and all these different cool ways to learn now that are stuck with the old method of like, open your textbook, read this and give me the answers to that. Like, is that still there as much? Or is that kind of like an old school method you don't see much anymore? Um, I would say that there's, Definitely people like that that exists, yeah. but um, the situation that we're all in has yeah. forced a lot of hands to either adapt and like really start to embrace using yeah. the technology and changing things yeah. um, or, you know, people are making other decisions. Yeah, honestly, and those yeah. people that aren't aren't willing to change, like that are staying with the same set don't realize I bet it's a lot like once you learn it, I bet it's a lot easier to move and navigate and, and, and like all that stuff with the technology. Right. Yeah. It's definitely creating, they create a lot more work for themselves. Um, you know, if they're trying to stick with a more traditional model as opposed to, um, you know, really embracing and using the technology for what it can do. Nice. Okay. So we're moving into the fourth quarter here. So I want to get into, so you taught you're a teacher middle school did you ever go high school i've taught seventh eighth ninth tenth and twelfth grades god damn it god bless you so <laughs> we'll get more well maybe we'll do some more teaching stuff like more teacher stories the next time you're on because i i think shake will agree with me you're coming back the fuck on yeah. right <laughs> so, if, you, if you'll uh, come back on you know <laughs> yeah well I'm, that well, has I'll, ways I'll, of, of forcing his uh people yeah, back. i know i know i know where you live i also would love to have your wife on because her job is also fascinating and she's like yeah she does the lord's work as far as i'm concerned damn it you know she loves it yeah yeah so um right now so you're so you went from teaching to from like you know the teaching you were doing to the current job you're at now is that right so right, right now you're a technology instructional coach kind of mm -hmm. give me a synopsis of what that does um for the first couple months of this year yeah. um it was basically just giving a lot of tech support um, because we adopted a new, what's called LMS, a learning management system. Okay. So before this year, we relied on what was called Google Classroom, uh -huh. which was, um, it was fantastic. Love Google. Um, but there were certainly limitations to what it could do. Yeah. Um, so this new one is called Canvas. Um, okay. And really with Canvas, you can, you really can do a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of overwhelming for a lot of people, even you know myself when I first started to learn it, because sure. there's so much you can do with it um, that it you kind of get you forget half of what it can do because mm -hmm. you're learning all the other new things it can do. Yeah. Um, so for the first couple of months, it's really been you know if a teacher's trying to figure out how to do something, shoot me an email. Um, August, September, basically all day every day, I was doing uh, Google Meets with yeah. teachers to kind of walk them through, you know, how to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, but now that teachers are getting more comfortable with the platform and they kind of know what they're, you know, they, they can navigate around, they can add assignments, they can do what they need to do. Um, now what I'm able to do is more of like actual, like, let's see, it's not just 
how can you put an assignment on? Let's tailor this so we can really use the technology um, to the best of its ability, Mm -hmm. both incorporating different practices. Um, So like just as an example, earlier today, I was working on putting together some personalized projects into what are called modules. Okay. So modules is kind of where all the lessons are housed yeah. in Canvas. Yeah. And so with these modules, like I was the one I was working on today, it doesn't matter what you teach or you know what grade level, what content, you could take this module and put it into your own course. Um, and it allows the students to kind of pick and choose what they want to do. So oh, um, like I was wow. putting together that module. So now like if when I meet with teachers, you know, I can say, you know, here's you know, it's, it's already done, ready to go is, for is you. It kind you of like the structure to... of a lesson plan, so to speak, like the module, like, yeah, it, so it, could you use it for just one subject or is it trans it translates to all subjects? This is kind of like the formula of what you can use with the stuff we have. Is that right? So the modules is basically like an empty folder. Okay. So if you had an empty folder and you're like, here's what I want to do today. And you put it into that folder. The module just kind of holds it together. Gotcha. Um, so like the module that I was working on today, it starts, there's a page that's the objectives that I called it a personal mini project. Yeah. So the goal is it takes maybe two or three days tops. Yeah. Um, but I put the objectives, like their students are able to demonstrate important concepts from the unit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, how they're going to achieve the goal. They're going to, um, create, they're going to apply this, that, the other thing. Yeah. Um, and then it'll have another page. So the student, after they read that, they'll hit next. Takes them to another page that says, you know, maybe a brief introduction to what the topic would be. And then they hit the next and would give the directions. So it kind of walks them through yeah. what they would do. Um, but so the reason why so I can- it's kind of like their structure, like you gave them like a structure and they're kind of like fill in the blank along this and this, once you're done, it'll create like a lesson plan for you to give to a kid, like for you to show, like to teach a kid with. Right. Right. And and to an extent they don't even, they wouldn't even necessarily need to change anything with it because the whole idea is that you're tapping into the students and you're seeing, you know, what kind of things they can create and what they can do. Um, So you could certainly plug in a topic and say, you know, here's a concept or here's a topic or like the way I worded it was, pick any concept from the past two weeks that we've studied and put together a presentation to show your mastery of it. Now that's, you know, taking everything and condensing into one sentence, but essentially the student is reflecting on the things that they learned. What would they want to do a project on? And then once they make that decision, what do they want to do for that project? So, you know, do they want to make a video? Do they want to just put together a, a good old fashioned PowerPoint or Google slideshow, right? Um, You know, and everywhere in between. Do they want to design and print a 3D artifact that relates to that concept? You know, it it gives them the freedom to do any of that. And with that 3D artifact, they can use it to give a presentation or something like that. So would I asked my my mom is also a teacher and I asked her this question as far as it comes to learning, right? You and me are big on what is called Audible. Shout out Audible. Love you. Shout out Google. Love you too. But <laughs> shout out Audible. Uh, me and Jay are big, big components of Audible. I am I am like, I used to like, so, okay. Here's a little background story on me reading. Uh, when going through school, never read one book all the way through. Started a couple, whatever, right? Um, even like when I was in high school, I almost finished the second Lord of the Rings books, The Two Towers, never finished it, 
right? So after I got done school, right, I'm working, I'm bartending at a place and I would have to take the train there. And it was an hour, 17 minute train ride one way, right? So it ended up being over like a two and a half hour full full ride. So I was talking to my my little brother, Alex, and I was like, dude, this train ride's killing me. It's so boring. And this is back before phones or anything like like I couldn't watch a video on my phone or anything like that, right? So he's like, dude, you like you've you've seen the first two Harry Potter movies. The third one hadn't come out yet. He's like, why don't you just read the Harry Potter books while you're doing it? And I was like, oh, I hate reading. I don't read. Anyway, I I finally sucked it up and did it and flew through them, right? And then started like a whole reading thing. Read a ton. Got big into reading, getting that mental sweat in, right? But now no one has time to read. So I'm big on Audible. So my question is to you, Jay, and Audible is, I love, like I probably have 170 books in my library on Audible. And me and Jay, this is one of the funnest things. When we were kids, Jay, when we were supposed to be reading books, had we ever had a discussion about a book we read? <laughs> no, never. No, no, it took over 30 years for us to have a, a discussion on a book that we've both read or listened to. And we can thank Audible for that now that we're doing that. And we've had a bunch and we're able to like, honestly, it's one of the best things I tell Jay. I was like, look, please just listen to this. I have someone to talk to about it. Right. (laughs) So either way, my question was to my mom was as far as it comes to reading, right? Obviously you want a kid to be able to read, but would you care if obviously a kid knows how to read, if you're teaching them, if they retain the information by reading it visually or listening to it audibly? No. Wouldn't care. They master the content, right? So that being said, I'm not a reading teacher, right? right. There's teachers who their goal is to help them learn to read you know, better, learn to read, yeah. right? Those strategies and so forth. Sure, sure. Um, and I'm not saying there's not a that, need for that. You definitely need that. Right. Obviously. But aside from that, no, like my goal is they master the content, right? So I don't care how they get there as long as they get there. Yeah. That's that, And that's why kids have the freedom in your class to create those, the shows with the Google earth and the Google maps and whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and you're able to have like viral, viral field trips to cool play. Like that stuff to me, that's like the learning I dreamed of as a kid sitting there in Catholic school, like smelling my book because I was so damn bored out of my mind. Like they worry about like, you can't smell it, Matt. dude, they talk about like, I tried to smell the words out of it. Wasn't happening. <laughs> Right. They talk about this. Not every book in this library. (laughs) Yeah. I've sniffed them all. They all stink. But dude, they've like they've talked about like this ADD culture. The way Jay is teaching is keeping these kids involved and keeping them interested. That's how you do like you wanna know why ADD is there? Because shit's fucking boring. All right. (laughs) That's why it is. Hey, don't have so much boring shit making me read, you know, hatchet or confession medical oil of it you know right to your to your point matt um a couple years ago i had a a class that it was a a very mixed class of a lot of different abilities yeah um so towards the end of the year we did a personal project and the goal of the project was the research process it wasn't i didn't care what their topic was i didn't care It, it was they had to do they had to pull multiple sources okay it was argumentative Okay. So they had to pull multiple sources. They had to pick one side over another side okay. and with evidence explain why this one was better. They had to do a work cited. They had okay. to do this, that, and other thing. And 
So my goal with that project was I want you to learn the research process, yeah. not necessarily what you pick. And help them form um, an opinion in everything, right? Like a valid opinion. Was, yeah, and it was in what we call a co-talk class. So I had another teacher in there with me Ooh. because I had students that were um, very low as far as like with their abilities in the classroom. Um, and then I had, you know, what we'll just say like regular education track students. Right. Um, and honestly, I've gotten some of the best projects to this date from that class because they had the freedom of choice. Um, and t- I still remember because these two students, you would ne- they never talked to each other once yeah. the entire year. Yeah. Two very opposite students, yeah. um, always in trouble in their other classes. They teamed up to do a project because they they both discovered that they loved PlayStation 4. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So they they both love PlayStation Four. So they did this project. Brothers together. <laughs> they did a project on why PlayStation Four was better than Xbox One, and they put together it was a, a Google slide presentation. Uh, before you go further, uh, they're fucking wrong. Xbox One. <laughs> uh, Matt, they had me convinced because they. I think they pulled at least eighteen different sources. Oh shit! So on, on Google, did they use Google Slide? They use Google Slide, right? So if I were to say you have to do a project on this, yeah, right? Let's say pick a topic. If I said you need five sources, everyone would have turned in two or three sources. Right. They, they had, I think it was 18 different sources. Oh, shit. Um, and it was like... So that's you know, like they a were, lot, right? As far yeah. as like... Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, were, they were talking. Oh. I just turned in a grad paper that had a requirement of eight to 15. Right. Sources. So they didn't know what my grad paper needed. They, they were all about this. Okay. Right. But so through the part of with the personalized learning is you frequently check in and they check in with the teacher. You ask, you're kind of the facilitator. You're not the deliverer of the content. You just facilitate it. Got it. So I would, just, I would keep asking them questions. And I didn't, I, I haven't, my last system was the Xbox 360 that I packed up before we moved. Yeah. You got we twin boys. You're, yeah. Yeah. So I packed it in a box anytime soon. He'll tell you that. <laughs> and it's it's still in that box. Yeah. Right. So I have I don't know, Where you know which one was better. And um, but I'd ask a question. They 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 said PlayStation 4, so I say why? And then they'd start listing the reasons why they thought. I'm like, all right, well prove that to me. So then they would prove it. And then so when they they would pull all those sources that could prove their, yeah. their point. Yeah. And then I would say, well, and I would just throw out random. I'd be like, "Well, what about processing speed? Ooh. Which one has better processing?" <laughs> yeah. And then, then they started researching like processing speed. I'm like, "Which one has the better refresh rates? Which one has the better this? Yeah, which like, one has just, more storage?" Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. You're, which you're one? Yeah. Feed in, feed in their thought track. Yeah. Right. So, like, you know, I may have been helping them get there, but at the end of the day, they did. they're putting on a presentation where they're explaining with evidence why the PlayStation Four is better than the Xbox See, One or whatever. That's and then their, their overall goal, yeah. um, so they did put together the slides presentation, like I said, yeah. but they really wanted to use my 3D printer. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, all right, we like PlayStation and we want to use the 3D printer. So in the 3D modeling software, they designed a PlayStation 4. Oh. And I was like, if you can prove to me why the PlayStation 4 is better, I'll let you print out your little PlayStation 4s that you made and take them home and keep them. 
So they did. And they, so and once they, they once they crushed it, I I loaded it up into the 3D printer and I printed out their examples. Uh, and I, I printed three, yeah. one for each of them, and then one for myself to keep. <laughs> awesome, man! That's so cool. That, see, that's also too like you. This is the kind of shit you see in a movie because this kids, <laughs> these kids' presentation bring the house down. Oh yeah, and of course they didn't convince everybody, just like yourself, because I mean, yeah, well, they were wrong. So... That's why. <laughs> Don't let that get in the way. Yeah. So I don't know, man. They had their evidence. I probably, if yeah. I was making a decision that day, I probably would have gone with the PS4. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So, Jay, I have a question. Um, so for COVID, your your district adopted. You called it a learning management system. LMS, right? Yeah. Right. And my question is, well, first of all, were you cons- Did you get to consult on like which one to pick? Did they ask you to like look into them? No, I got. I got hired because they picked the system. Okay. So okay. they wanted, they wanted, we already had um, a secondary technology instructional coach who's honestly, like, if I like to think that I'm good with technology, this dude blows me out of the water. Oh, like, okay. He's, he's, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Gates. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just because we are getting this new system um, and with the technology instructional codes, it's not just this LMS, it's the LMS and everything else you can do with technology. Yeah. Um, so because we hi- we, because the district adopted this, um, they opened up a new position for this. Now, that being said, um, my wife is a part-time instructional coach for English language. Mm-hmm. So she's um, an English language uh, English as a second language teacher, ESL. Yeah. Um, so she's a halftime coach. So she teaches half the day and the other half she provides oh, okay. um, coaching yeah. with you know best practices when teaching L's, English learners. That's awesome. Um, so because she was already a coach in the spring when the district was, you know, moving at light speed, trying to adapt these new yeah. systems, um, there was different committees that were put together. So I know that, you know, she, I got to hear about this when she was sitting in one of her meetings where they were talking about it. Oh, and I'm like, he's always there. I'm like hearing about this and I'm hearing about this and I'm like, cause I know what everything I can do in Google classroom. Yeah. And this is like, it's like a jacked up version of Google classroom. Yeah. Oh, nice. and I'm like, I'm like, listen, yeah. they need to go with this system because there's so much I can do with it. Oh, and dude. the main, the real question I have, and I mean, we definitely have to have you back on cause I think that there is a really larger discussion to be had about the equality of like education in America. I know that we all have opinions on public, private, charter, parochial, you know, that whole shebang. And we just can't squeeze that in here at the end. Um, But maybe very quickly, if I could ask you, do you think that, like you said, this is like a sea change moment for education in America. These old teachers, I mean, I, we won't say the name of the district, but we'll say, you know, you work in a very awesome district, a very mm-hmm. privileged public school that yep. people don't have to worry about sending their kids to private school and all of that. You know, we have that district's incredible, um, but not everyone has that luck. Do you think that there will be a closing of the gap because of this technology? And I'm wondering, like this, this learning management system. I'm wondering what the price tag was on that and if there is some sort of, uh, you know, like can can every district get their hands on that is what I want to know. And the uh, the ultimate answer is the freaking government should pay for it. You know, like make sure that 
everyone. Correct. But go ahead. Yeah, so, What's your opinion um, on that? So it, with technology, mm-hmm. could it close the gaps? I, I would say it could probably help, mm-hmm. but there's still the access to the technology. Yeah. You know? Oh, um, and, didn't even think in, in PA, we have probably maybe the most inequitable school funding program in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, what, with the way how, on, how public school funding explain works. That, explain that to dumb people. What is inequitable? <laughs> not not fair. Oh, okay. Yes. So, so you're saying that in the state of Pennsylvania, the funding for schools is not fair because the suburbs, like the distribution of it is, isn't equal to everybody. Well, because most of it, almost three quarters of it is from local sources, from local property taxes. Oh. So we actually, um, like for like the district that I'm in, a very small percentage of our money comes from the federal government. Most of it comes from the local sources. But if you go out into like central PA, yep. where it's a lot of farmland, very rural, yeah. they don't have the local taxes. So they rely on the federal government money. And the way that money comes from the state, um, you know, it just doesn't equal out. Yeah. So if you think about like, you know, I teach in southeastern PA, some of the wealthiest districts, I'd probably argue maybe in the nation. Agreed. Um, as far as like, you know, we get most of our funding from property taxes. Yeah. We live in affluent areas. Yeah. Um, even in the district I'm in, we're not the most affluent district sure. around us, but we have a lot of industry. Yeah. And that industry pays a whole boatload of money yeah. in property taxes. Oh, um, so like that industry fuels a lot of like us being able to provide one-to-one technology for all of our students and things like that. Um, so if you look at, um, you know, a district close to us, Lower Marion. Okay. Lower Marion is one of the wealthiest areas in the nation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So their public schools, their students are one-to-one with better technology than we do. They have limited class sizes. They, it's like an ideal situation. Yeah. And then you move five minutes down the road and the school can't even afford crayons for their students. Yeah. 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 So you're talking about every student, every student getting their own MacBook pro to not even getting crayons. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's but a lot that goes into it. And like people make the argument of, well, I pay for this and I pay for that and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, there is arguments we have, but I agree. As far as education goes, we can't spend enough money on it as far as I'm concerned. Because that's mm-hmm. really what funds, that, that's what builds our society is the education. Yep. The better educated yep. a society is, the better the society is. I, I, I firmly believe that. And I, and I firmly believe that, and I know I'm biased because, you know, Jay, you're my buddy and I love you. And and my mom was a teacher and stuff, but they, the work that teachers put in, if you like, okay, I get, I'll guarantee this. If a teacher was making as much as a a pro, a pro football player, right. There'd be the best goddamn teachers (laughs) in the world, you know, like they should, I would love to see a study like that, where if they had one city, like one school district in the United States, where like the teachers there were making $500,000 a year, but the process to get into that school district was like unreal. I would love to see the students in there's, that. There's already an entire country that does it that way. Oh, what country? Finland. 
No kidding. Everybody, everybody touts back. I want to say in the seventies, they had like an educational revolution okay. uh, where they completely changed things. Um, and to make a long story short, in order to get a teaching certificate in Finland, it's essentially like, you know, if, if you say you're a teacher in Finland, it's like hearing somebody say you're a doctor or a lawyer. Whoa. It's that is, it's that well respected. How, that's and that, how it should be everywhere. <laughs> It's hard to have this discussion without getting political. And and honestly, next time next time you come on, I think we we pull off the training wheels and really let loose on things. So, uh, yeah, and that's it's if you look at we'll, we'll put a big if, disclaimer just, on the front of it. <laughs> but even just look at the difference in um, population size between the United States and Finland. Right, we're th- almost three hundred and thirty million people. Right. Right. So, and you know, let's say there's 125 million school age children, yep. right? You need teachers. And if you have, you know, think about how many doctors and lawyers there are, there's certainly not as many as there are teachers. So, you know, it is nice to say that it should be that rigorous and is respected. Um, and the, even though there's a teaching shortage, especially in this area right now, it's still one of the best areas in the United States, I would argue, to teach. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to, you know, if you start heading into um, some other states, it is not that way. You know, to, like you know, there's districts around me, the top pay is one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to some you know, states, even just you know two or three states south, you know, the top pay might be forty five to fifty thousand. Uh. Right now, now the you know is the standard of living or is the cost of living, I should say as high? No, but it still isn't near what, that's, you know, what people in other areas get. Well, uh, you know, I let's, I, I don't want to get any political stuff, but I, you know, <laughs> if it doesn't so, have to be overly political, but it comes down to like basic, um, like the, the categorization of, of how things are taken care of with, with funding schools. And also like the curriculum is another thing to get into, you know, where, who's handing down the, uh, the mandates on what's to be taught, what's important to teach, what's not important to teach anymore, you know, how much time is, should be spent on certain things. Uh, teachers are given a, a crazy amount of um, freedom to create awesome lessons, but there's also certain guides that they have. And Jay, like, I think that obviously, again, you could talk for hours and hours about this. And next time we should, we should really get into like curriculum, um, you know, things like that are, are, are really interesting. And also, well, you know, your relationship with other teachers, because I think that's something that people don't realize is they it's like the um, uh, like the Simpsons. Like we all think that the teacher is like Mrs. Kerbapple, where she you know, that, that's a great example where when the students are gone, she's like smoking a cigarette and, you know, like cursing. I think that I always was like weirded out if I ever heard, you know, if I saw my teacher out at the mall or something like that. Yeah. But teachers live lives and, and you know, are, are real yeah. adults when, when the students leave the room. And I think that those kind of stories will be awesome to hear next time, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we will. So yeah. uh, we're coming out to the top of time. So, Jay, dude, this was awesome. Great, great stuff, man. Really, like, you're so knowledgeable and you're really good at explaining this was awesome. And if you're willing to, we would love to have you back on for sure. And I would really like, there were some topics that I had written down specifically for us to get into after chatting with you. And we just had, we just went through so much good stuff that the, I kind of like that we got this out of the way because then the next episode, we can really bear down on those topics and really dedicate some really good time to them.
Thank you to Jay, Jason Bowers for being our guest today. Great job, Jay. Thank you so much. Um, if you want, follow us at, on Twitter at WorkingPPod. And then if you would want to be a guest on here, right, just uh, hit us up on WorkingPPod or email us at WorkingPerspectives at gmail.com. We go through the approval process to get on. Unfortunately, we have had some people go through. Uh, we've had one rejection so far that did not get approved. So Tom Lavelle. Uh, like I said uh, at the top of the show, you were not approved to be on the show. Uh, Tom Lavelle, you were rejected by the approval process. So uh, either way, but yeah, hey, keep, keep trying. Maybe you'll get accepted. Maybe you'll get approved. We don't know. But, you know, we don't know. Like, it's not up to us. We don't do the approving. Uh, you'll have to go through the approval board and the approval committee before you can get approved to be on the show. Um, but yeah, Tom Lavelle was rejected. Yeah, back uh, to the drawing board for him. Yeah, sorry. Hey, hey keep trying though, bud. Keep trying. Um, all right. And then, uh, so also, uh, so I'm Matt Lavelle. He's Tom Byers. This was the Working Perspectives podcast. Like us and subscribe on all Google or on all podcast platforms. Uh, this is the end of the show, so you can stop. Thanks. All right. Bye. <laughs>